0: Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia.
1: Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott.
2: Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards.
1: This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Cosmo. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 26 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Now, like any other time, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to just jump straight into part one on this week's show, of course, the review part of the show. We're going to start over on the Friday, of course. There was a card that took place over at York Hall the British home of boxing really Gary Corcoran topped the bill he moved to 15 and 0 he was fighting for the vacant WBO intercontinental super waterweight title he beat Danny Butler so Gary Corcoran now 15 and 0 moving down that card Tom Baker was also on the bill he was fighting for the vacant English light heavyweight title he moved to 13 and 0 he picked up that title sorry um, Gary Corcoran won his fight unanimously after 10 rounds and of course Tom Baker as well unanimous win after 10 rounds. Also on that bill, Romeo Romeo, he moved to 10 and 0. He picked up a TKO in the 7th round against Michael Dufek. I know that straight after the fight, O'Hara Davies of course, everybody will know about him signed with Eddie Hearn. He was actually at that fight so he there was some sort of altercation between O'Hara Davis and Romeo Romel after Romeo Romel's fight. Uh, O'Hara Davis captured what was going on on his iPhone, I believe. But the sound was, I don't know why, but when the video went up, there was no sound on it. But basically, there's, there's hopefully going to be a fight. I think Romeo Ramal will be happy to have that fight. I think O'Hara Davies wants a piece of him. So that'd be a really interesting fight. If we get to see that down the line, also on the bill, of course, boy Jones jr. He picked up a second round KO. So he numbers to seven wins. And of course he's got the one draw Anthony yard. Also on the bill, he picked up a TKO in the first round. So Anthony yard now five and Oh, marching on to big, big, big things. Elsewhere in Aberdeen, Scotland, Gary Cornish returned to the ring after his first round slaying by Anthony Joshua. So Gary Cornish back in the ring. He fought a guy who only had one win, four losses and one draw going into this fight. It was only a six rounder, but Gary Cornish picked up a points win after six rounds later on in the evening over in California at the Fantasy Springs Casino, Antonio Orozco, who is a welterweight to watch out for, believe me. He moved to 24-0 with a TKO in the first round over Miguel Acosta. Also on that bill, Jason Quigley moved to 10-0. Again, he got a KO in the first round over Freddy Lopez. So Jason Quigley, another name to watch out for, of course, if you don't already know. Okay, that's really it for Friday. We're now going to go over to Saturday. We're going to start nowhere else but the Wembley Arena. We're going to talk about the top-of-the-bill fight. Of course, Nick Blackwell was defending his British middleweight title against Chris Eubank Jr. Nick Blackwell, 19-3 and with one draw going into this fight. Chris Eubank, of course, 21 and 1. Chris Eubank ended up getting a 10th round TKO. The reason it was a TKO was because the doctors stopped the fight. There was a huge, grotesque swelling above Nick Blackwell's left eye and the doctor decided to stop the fight. Nick Blackwell, if, if anybody tuned into the fight, if, ever, if if anyone saw the fight, of course, subsequently after that fight, Nick Blackwell was rushed to hospital and it was revealed that he had Bleed, I believe on his brain or on his skull, I'm not too sure, but he was placed into a medically induced coma in order for his body to recover. So um, it's not one of those things where he was beaten into a coma. And he slipped into a coma and lost it for a while. He was actually placed into a coma for the better of his health, really, so that he can recover quicker. So um, just to give his body a rest, really. Again, I'm no medical expert. But like I say, Nick Blackwell, our prayers are with you on this show. We wish you the absolute best. Just goes to show Ayaz, that this sport really, you know, this is a rarity that stuff like this happens. But, you know, this thing can happen at, at the pinnacle of the sport.
0: I hope, or like you said, goes out to Nick Blackwell and hopefully he gets
1: better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, yeah, Chris Eubank is now the new British middleweight champion with a record of 22 wins and the one loss. Moving down on the undercard now, Huey Fury, unfortunately his fight wasn't televised. He moved to 19-0 and with a points win over Dominic Gwynn. Also on that bill, Ricky Boylan, he picked up his 14th career win, so his record now 14-3. and He picked up a points win after six rounds. Also on the bill of course Frank Bullione he picked up a TKO in the first round his first fight with his new trainer Don Charles so Frank Bullione now 18 wins two losses and the one draw that's it for Wembley. We're now gonna go over to Sheffield Arena. Top of the bill, Kelbrook. He took care of his mandatory Kevin Bizier. Kelbrook now thirty-six and oh. He took out Kevin Bizier in the second round. So he picked up a TKO in the second round. Of course, he defended his IBF world welterweight title. It was a good fight whilst it well, it wasn't a good fight. It was a one way pacing, to be honest, I as but again Kelbrook really does look the goods now, doesn't he? Kilbrook is a very good fight, and Look what he just did to Kevin Bizzy within two rounds that got
0: rid of him. But now he needs to have a big fight in the summer.
1: Yeah, we cannot wait to see who he's going to fight. Hopefully, Eddie Hearn can land a massive fight, whether it's in the UK or the USA, really.
0: Yes, he should have a fight against the winner of Bradley Pacquiao. There's rumours regarding Miguel Cotto, Keith Furman versus Porter. There's another fight, Danny Garcia. He just needs to be in a big fight now to show how good he is.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I'd be happy with any of those. But yeah, the way he took care of it, of, of Kevin Bizier was, you know, just as expected. A lot of people thought he was going to beat beat him within six rounds but he took him out in two so impressive stuff from kelbrook and that really is the way you deal with a mandatory challenger so excellent stuff from kelbrook he marches on Uh, also on that bill luke campbell he picked up the vacant commonwealth lightweight title he actually defeated gary sykes and this was a tko in the second round of course Luke Campbell, this is an impressive win for him, so it's good for him to pick up the vacant Commonwealth title. So Luke Campbell now thirteen and one. Also on the bill, David Allen. It was a strange old fight. He was supposed to be fighting Richard Towers, that ended up not happening. David Allen fought late replacement. Woo, Jason Gavin. And of course, David Allen picked up his ninth professional win. He's obviously got the one draw on his record. So nine wins, one draw for David Allen. It wasn't really a fight, to be honest. Jason Gavin came for, um, basically for the money, I believe he, his corner stopped the fight at the end of the fourth and he didn't come out for round five. It was, it was a bit of a rough and tumble fight. There was a point where they both went down on the floor. It was almost like a bit of WWE style wrestling. David Allen was very, very disappointed after that fight. I've seen an interview with him and, um, he was very disappointed about that fight. Also on that bill, Adam Etches, um, just before we talk about his fight, Whilst this whole situation has been going on with Nick Blackwell, Adam Etchit has actually took time out to create a GoFundMe page so you can actually give um a kind donation to Nick Blackwell. Of course, we're not sure if we're ever going to see him in a boxing ring again, so I'm not sure what he's going to do to earn a living. I know that Adamechis, I believe, had a goal of trying to raise £10,000. I'm not sure how close or far away he is from that target, but of course, Adamechis a really good gesture there, and I know that a lot of people have been donating. So I just want to say a big thank you from the Box Podcast for those that have been donating. Of course, um, it's a rarity in boxing, as I say, but these things do happen. It just goes to show how dangerous this sport can be at times, you know, so a nice touch there from Adam is nonetheless and a nice touch of a win. So he moved to 20-1 and one on Saturday Adam Itches, with a TKO in the fourth round. We had him on our show last week, of course. If you missed that, it's available on YouTube, it's available on SoundCloud and also on iTunes. His opponent Zoltan Serra came over and like I say Adam Itches was just too much for him on the night. And that's really it for the UK. We're going to end the UK side of the review part. We're going to go straight over now to Oakland California. I'm gonna let you take it away, Ayaz. Top of the bill, Andre Ward, 28 and 0. Sullivan Barrera, 17 and 0. Combined record of 45 and 0. These guys, okay, it's nearly a Mayweather record. Somebody's 0 had to go. Ayaz, talk to me.
0: Wow, what can I say?
1: Andre Ward's
0: performance, very good. Literally, yeah, he was like punch perfect. Andre Ward dropped Sullivan Barrera. I think it was in the second round. Sorry, in the first round, right? But this guy, Andre Ward, just like he's just so good, like he's he's skillful. And I reckon he's a pound-for-pound boxing champion. Uh, Now that Andre Ward's beaten Sullivan Barrera, there's a talk that he could fight Sergey Kovalev in the
1: future. Yeah, absolutely. Who would you back in that fight, by the way? I reckon Andre Ward beats him on points. Andre Ward on points. Okay, and uh, just to clear that up, Andre Ward, of course, beat Sullivan Barrera. Andre Ward was deducted a point in round eight, and he moved to 29-0. Andre Ward with a unanimous decision win after 12 rounds. Also on the undercard Very, 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 very big prospect We must look out for this guy He's a featherweight He fought for the NABF featherweight title Which was actually his own So he was defending it Joseph Diaz He moved to 20-0 and 0. He really is a name to look out for Believe me He beat a guy called Jason Velez Who's no slouch I know you're big on Joseph Diaz What do you think about his performance? Well, it was amazing this
0: this guy, I reckon, in my opinion, he's the next big star in boxing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd actually like to see him, um, you know, perhaps in, in the next few months or whatever, really move up on that world stage and just, just, just see where he is. Maybe fight a few guys who have fought for a world title just to get that measuring stick out and see how close he is to that type of level but I really think he is the goods if I have to say so myself um, definitely I'd like to see him in there with I mean could you just imagine if we saw Joseph Diaz in there with someone like Lee Selby what a fight that would be oh what a fight that would be yeah that would be amazing absolutely absolutely okay we're gonna leave the review inside of things right there Ayaz I believe that you've got a little bit of news for us just before we work up on our first guest
0: Colonel Nigel Ben has signed his professional contract with Matrim Sport and will be on the undercard of Martin Joshua on April 9th.
1: Absolutely. Again, of course, this is son of a legend, really son of the dark destroyer, of course, Nigel Ben. He's now got his son Connor Nigel Ben. So this'll be interesting. Everybody's seen the videos on Twitter, the way he trains. He seems to hit hard. He's got, you know, he's flashy. He's a good looking young kid. He's he's got big arms, he's got tattoos. I'm sure he's gonna be an absolute hit, but we, we absolutely cannot wait to see him in the professional game. And he's signed with Eddie Hearn, of course, who I believe is probably the man to move him along. And it it would be interesting seeing him on the undercard of such a massive fight. Again, not a lot of people make their debut on a double world title card, you know. Of course, we've got Lee Selby versus Eric Hunter. And, of course, top of the bill, Charles Martin and Anthony Joshua. So, that's a massive, massive, massive night for Connor Nigel. Ben, any other news for us, Ayaz? Yes. David Hay face Arnold Gigi on May 21st at the O2 Arena. Yeah, absolutely. I was at the press conference today for that one. It was all crazy. It was all it was all calm and then next thing you know, bang, the door gets kicked in. Shannon Briggs is walking in the room. Let's go champ. Let's go champ. It was absolutely hilarious to be honest. I'd have been disappointed if he didn't turn up. I know that he said on Twitter he was going to turn up. I didn't know that until I was actually there and then next thing you know, it just happened. It took us all by surprise. It seemed to, it seemed to annoy david a little bit it was it was brilliant to be honest, but yeah, again, like I say, the real piece of news is. That David Hay will be fighting Arnold Gigi again of course this is Hay Day 2 and it's, it's looking like it's going to be on Terrestrial TV so another nice touch from David Hay uh, not, I don't really know too much about his opponent I know that he doesn't speak English I know he's got a nice record of 29 and 0 and of course 21 of those wins by knockout I know he's been sparring with Kubrat Pulev he's been sparring with Tyson Fury and also he's previously sparred with Vla- So definitely he's mixed it amongst some of the top guys in the heavyweight division in sparring and stuff like that. But it'll be interesting to see. Most of his fights have took place in Switzerland. But yeah, like I say, it could be like a dark horse in the heavyweight division. He's got a good ranking and of course he's going to be facing David Hay. And also he has the second best undefeated record at the moment in the heavyweight division. Deontay Wilder, of course, 35-0, and or 36-0, I think Deontay Wilder is now. I'm not too sure. And, of course, now this guy's 29-0. and So, in terms of unbeaten streaks, this guy's second. So, a nice, juicy record. But we'll have to wait and see how good he really is on the night and how good David Hay really is on the night, of course. Any other news for us, Ayers? Nope, that's all we got this week. Okay, cool, cool. All right, that only means it's time for our first guest on this week's show. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome former trainer of Derek Chisora, now training Frank Bolognese, it's Don Charles. Don, welcome to the show.
3: Good afternoon, how are you?
1: Very good, very good. First and foremost, how are you? I'm very well. It's a very nice sunny day today, so I'm, I'm fine with that.
3: Once the weather is fine, I'm fine.
1: Yeah, same same for all of us, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, you went quiet for a little while, Don. Um, what have you been up to since since the split with Chisora, and, well, between the split with Chisora and last weekend, really?
3: Um, basically, you know, um, obviously I'm known uh, for for the trainer of Derek Chisora. We've been together for a long time, and the work I've done with him, uh, he was the, basically what I'm known for, of course, but, Apart from Derek, I do train and have trained other fighters, um, which I, uh, I'm quite disappointed sometimes when I'm not recognized for those other fighters. Um, I'll name them. I trained Ashley Theo Payne to, to win his British title and defend it. Okay. Ashley Theo who's now fighting Adrian Broner. Um, and there's a young man called uh, 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 Jose Olicigen, a Nigerian fighter who was based here. He became a British citizen. He also won the British title with myself, okay? And there's a young man called Yazim El-Machi, the showman whom I trained to win the, the prize fighter, okay? Uh, I also trained a heavyweight called Ian Lewison. and you familiar with these names? Yeah, Flash. all of them, okay. yeah. So I do work with a number of fighters and have done so over the last 10 years. But obviously... Derek is such a high-profile fighter, so I'm only ever recognised for the work I've, I've done or did with Derek. But I do, I mean, these other guys, they didn't, they didn't go on to fight for world titles except for Ashley Stewart, and who's now uh, fighting for a world title. So I have trained, you know, other other guys as well. So um, um when you haven't, or the public uh, haven't heard, or or uh, from me once I split with Derek. Yeah, I went back to the... I look at myself as a chef. I went back to the kitchen to, to carry on preparing the next meal. I've got um, a number of fighters that I'm bringing through. They're not known yet, but it probably takes about four struck five years to bring them to the forefront where then people start talking about them. So, you know, I'm a very patient man. Um, I'm not in a position... I never have been in a position where... I'm not the type of trainer where I get given fighters, uh, ready-made fighters. Let's say, for instance, I've just inherited um, Frank Buglioni. Frank Buglioni came to me off his own accord. No promoter recommended to Frank Buglioni to go and train with Don Charles. He took the initiative to find me, to ask me, would I be interested in working with him? A lot of trainers in the industries inherit fighters. They're in affiliation with certain promoters who constantly feed them with these ready-made or, let's say, your Olympians or people who get uh, ABA winners who get deals with major promoters, automatically that promoter, normally they're affiliated with a trainer of their choice, okay? So they get the the fighters get directed straight to these trainers. Whether the trainer is any good or not, but the the promoter will uh, give them the work, yeah? So consequently, there are. I'm not just saying it's just myself. There are a number of very good trainers out there, okay who would do good jobs for these uh, uh olympians or aBA winners, but we don't get the opportunity unfortunately, so you have to basically get your own fighters and develop them from scratch, and that's what I do that's what I specialize in
1: um I was going to ask you how the how the link up came between you yourself and Bulioni, but you touched on that um Of course, we didn't really get to see much of him because of the early knockout. But how is he looking in the gym, Don?
3: Well, we've only been together for a very short period. And I can categorically say to you, this is the first time in my coaching career that I've got a fighter at that level who just walked into my gym and and asked me to work with him. So he's come to me at a very good level where the work I have to do for him, with him, is easy for me. I know exactly I'm not going to reveal, obviously, uh, what I'm doing with him. I'm training him in boxing, but the things that he needs to complete his style is what I am um, special happen to specialise in. So we're working on that, and um, you're gonna see a, a guy who, um, like I said, I'm excited about because so this is the first time, I can categorize say, you have uh, gotten into my camp a guy who's that uh, very well schooled, very disciplined, and yeah. So I'm going to do some wonderful things with him in boxing because, um, like I said, I normally have to spend years and years and years of developing uh, uh, fighters from, from, from the grassroots, which I don't mind doing because I'm currently doing that anyway, with about, about five fighters in different weight categories I'm, I'm, I've been um, developing in the last couple of years. And, and like I said, it'll probably take another couple of years before they'll start becoming British champions and uh, Commonwealth European champions. And um, uh, hopefully, if we we'll are currently doing the good work, they'll end up on the world stage.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I just wanted to ask you about your relationship now uh, with Derek because I know that it wasn't just really a training link-up. It was more like father and son almost, it looked like. It was one of the biggest shocks in boxing, to be honest, when, when you guys split. What is the relationship like today with Derek and yourself? Yeah, I've always, I've
3: always maintained Derek will always be, you know, regardless of what happens in the future, I will hold on to what we achieve together I will always be proud of what we achieved together. Um, I'm disappointed in the sense that I don't feel I, com- I got to complete what I started with him. The aim was for us to go to the world championships, win win the world title. In fact, I'll go as far as unifying the, the world uh, the, the belt. Um, he was he was good enough to do that, but unfortunately, you know, I'm a strong believer in destiny. You know, um, through Various uh, uh, personal reasons. Then that was uh, my intentions was to complete the journey with Derek. Unfortunately, we didn't get there. Um, we failed. We we, we we had a challenge at the world title with Vitali Klitschko. We we fell short. We were given another opportunity to um, qualify to fight a Klitschko, the, the Vladimir Klitschko. Who, if I don't know if you can remember. Uh, Six years ago, Vladimir Klitsch avoided Derek Cesaro. We trained for the fight. We went to Germany. Three days before the fight was supposed to take place, he pulled out with injury. They postponed it. We came back to England. They rescheduled it for April. Within two, three weeks of going back into camp, he canceled it again. Then David Haye jumped in and fought him. So it's almost like it was never meant to be for us, uh, uh, me and Derek winning the world title doesn't mean that Derek can't go ahead and do it. He can do it. He's got the ability to do it, provided he still remembers the dream that we had, the promise we made each other, that nobody gave us a chance initially. The boxing expert in this country said, Chisora is not not even good enough to win the British title. We surpassed that by miles, okay? Um, If my boy can rediscover and remember what we initially set out to do, and I hope... With or without me, I hope he goes ahead and, and completes the,
1: uh, that dream. Yeah, I hope so too. A lot of a lot of these uh, new school boxing fans who have just jumped into boxing seem to forget all this all this side of stuff. You know, they they're just going on what happened with David Hay and and everything after that. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the current heavyweight division, the landscape of it. It's a little bit of an old question, but I never saw anyone ask you it. Did you actually have Tyson Fury winning that fight with Klitschko? Did you think he would win before the fight took place? Did you did you have him winning that fight beforehand? Yes, I did, actually. I was probably one of the few people that believed that Fury would do it. In fact, I was
3: disappointed because I actually thought, I'd said that he would win it by, by knockout, um, whether it's TKO, yeah, by technical knockout. Because I... I really didn't see Fury winning it on point because in Germany, it's very hard to get a decision against a Klitschko in Germany. The power they have, the hold they have over the, the that division, I didn't believe it was possible to get a point win in Germany. Um, I, I thought he will stop Klitschko. And he came near to stopping Klitschko. And I believe, if you watch the fight, in round 11, he had Klitschko going. And I think, had the referee not intervened, I think he, uh, he would have definitely got rid of Klitschko. And unfortunately, the referee intervened, intervened and saved Klitschko from, from that. So if it happens again, it's going to get worse for Klitschko. I think Tyson would
1: definitely stop him this time round. Yeah, I believe I believe in, in what you're saying there. I agree with that. Um, a couple of questions I want to ask you now about potential fights that are happening. I want to start with, you mentioned, obviously, you used to train Ashley Theofane. He's in a massive fight in just two days' time. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. no, just tomorrow, actually, against That's Adrian right. Broner. Um, what, what's right. his chances of winning this fight?
3: Ashley's got a very, very good chance of winning that fight. You know, I'm a person who, like I said, I always look myself, although I'm a coach, I, um, my, myself and my fighters were always the underdogs. And I always look at Ashley Thielpen, he's been is the underdog for this fight. But Ashley Seopenh is well-seasoned, yeah? He's matured, very heavy-handed, because I used to train him at about weight, it doesn't punch it. It punches above his weight, that guy. Very heavy-handed for the weight. And he's a very determined young man. He's very fit. The way I describe it to people when I'm describing uh, or explaining how the fight will go, Marcus Madonna gave Edwin Brunner all kinds of problems, yeah? He beat him, right? Now, Ashley C. O. Penn, as far as I'm concerned, is a better-skilled and schooled fighter than uh, Marcus M- M- Madonna, yeah? So for that reason, I'm going to go for a Philadelphia win. I think uh, Adrian Brown, you could see he's rattled. He's, if you watch the press conferences, if you watch the, the face-off, and he's a very rattled man. He's very disturbed because he could see. Actually, Philadelphia has one of those faces, poker faces. I've seen that guy spar so many rounds in my gym when I was training him. You can't tell when he's hurt and when he's It doesn't show pain whatsoever. Yeah, he plays, he's got poker face. Even in their face-offs, Bruno can't work him and Bruno is trying to unsettle him. You could see his facial expression doesn't change at all. And he's very determined. I've spoken to him. And he's very, very determined. I've, I told him to grow, grow another pair of arms in addition to the arms he's got to grab the opportunity that's been presented to him.
1: And I really do believe he's going to pull it off. I really hope so too. Um, we had him on the show last week and it was good to hear him talk. He was in good spirits. And of course, Floyd Mayweather is backing him to beat Broner in this. Absolutely. So that's an interesting I mean, point. I'm
3: not I'm not being funny. If Floyd didn't think that uh, he doesn't want to let somebody who he promotes and to gun, um, you know, hasn't let the fight down. Floyd's got faith in that boy. And and I'm telling you, um, Ashley Philpin will beat that Edron Broner. Yeah, he will. And Ashley is very determined, okay? And I know that kid really well. He's very cool. He's not rattled by anything. He's matured. He's not like some 21-year-old guy who's going to maybe break under pressure. Ashley is very seasoned. Yeah, if you cast your mind back, Ashley Philpene... I believe they beat Garcia when they fought a few years ago. If you remember that, yeah, he's boxed a very, he's boxed a lot of good, good fighters who are making noise out there today. And uh, you know, he's, he's got the experience to do what's necessary and beat, beat, beat this guy, Bruno.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, I really hope so. And yeah, again, another fight that a lot of people forget. Um, of course, David Hay has made his comeback recently. He fought on July, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, January the sixteenth, and he's now fighting on May the twenty-first. What do you think of his return to the ring, Don? Can he get to the top again?
3: Most definitely. You know, the guy's a very intelligent human being. He's uh, a good salesman. Um, the 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 industry, the heavyweight division, needs people. The likes of your David Hay, you know, it makes it all very interesting. He's um, British. And, um, yeah, I'm glad to see him back and I'm glad to see him doing what he does best, selling fights and um, entertaining because, you know, he's a very explosive fighter and it brings brings all action. And, um, you know, it's good. It's very good for for, for boxing.
1: Yeah, of course. Also, there's a fight being made in the heavyweight division. Um, Wilder will be facing his mandatory in Alexander Povetkin. How do you see that fight going, Don? Hmm.
3: Very, very, very tricky for Wilder. I see Wilder losing that fight.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't expect you to I, say that.
3: Yeah, I, I, well, I see Wilder because provoking, as we know, he's only ever lost to Vladimir Klitschko, who was fouling him. He it, it might as well call that match a wrestling match because the referee did nothing about it whatsoever to stop Vladimir wrestling him to the ground. He never got, I don't believe it, maybe he got one point taken like, you know, off. He should have been actually disqualified rather than one point taken off round about round eight or something, the referee eventually, out. I, I think he cautioned him and then, you know, um, right. foul. provoking is very well schooled. Yeah. This version of provoking you're seeing now is used to dealing with uh, tall guys. It's not gonna be a problem. Okay. And um yeah, um it's one of those fights it could it could go in there and, and Wilder does what he does and uh bowls a big run and not see out. But I, for some reason, I've just got, I've got my reasons, but I I believe when I look at the fight and dissect it technically, how it's going to go, I do see, provoking, he's got the experience, he's been in there with top opposition all through his career, and I think... I could think of, I'd hate using the word upset, you know, because we've got every... Provoking has been established much, much prior to um, uh, Wilder coming onto the scene and, and, uh, and, and doing what he has done remarkably. He's done really, really well, Wilder. Yeah, He really surprised me, his performance, guess, the guess. I didn't think he was capable of doing what he did as in boxing on his back foot and really, he boxed really well that day and to win the, the, the world title. So I know he's vulnerable to various, uh, various things. Um, that will brings to the table and I really do see Provoking, um uh, doing
1: well and, and to the degree where I believe he'll, he'll win that fight okay very interesting breakdown I want to talk about now of course Charles Martin coming over here to face Joshua it's happening literally in nine days time what do you see mm. how do you see this fight going Don
3: maximum four rounds in favour of Anthony Joshua by K.O.
1: sweet and simple yeah short capital K.O. Big KO. You don't think it's that the six... made... Go on. Go on then. Do you think that the, the the size at all? I know that well, he's around the same sort of height as uh, as mm. Joshua, and of course Southpaw, big pa- big mm. punching power, a lot of knockouts. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, no he threat hasn't... posed.
3: No, you've got the Olympic champion here, who's who's uh, incredibly very very quick, incredibly explosive, incredibly hungry, trains very hard, very very determined, very very confident. And I know the kid really well because I think he realizes he 's always risen to the occasion on numerous occasions he 's risen to the occasion, and uh, the Olympic winning the Olympic medals in your own country there 's a lot of pressure it 's all very well having it in your country, but there 's a lot of pressure that comes with it he 's always come up trumps, and i don 't see any difference with this fight. Martin, far as I'm concerned, he's not a typical awkward south Pole from what i 've seen of him. Um, he doesn't have the lateral movement of, uh, the snap back counter, a uh, normal southpaw has, and it doesn't have the footwork to move the target. You know, I think it's a bit too stationary to fight Joshua. And if he's going to stand in front of Joshua, then I'm afraid it's going to be an early nine. And that's what I see happening. I don't. I can't see him boxing clever in the sense he's going to use the ring and um, trying. He hasn't got a jab. Okay, so no, I don't, I've looked at it, examined it. I, I think, it's, again, uh, Joshua has to box clever. You know, obviously, the only chance I'm giving Martin, no disrespect to him, he's the world champion. The only chance I'm giving him is the fact that he's a southpaw, that Josh might need to be a bit more cautious. Work it out. Take your time dissect him, then take him out, and i don 't see uh, martin really can't say i can't, i can't say uh, him doing court any 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 problem for for Josh, like I said, we have to respect because South Post can be you know uh, tricky i'm sure Josh is inspiring South within with in his preparation um, to get used to the angles and where to put the phone and stuff like that, but i don't think Martin is a typical uh, he's not even a, an Audley Harrison type of southpaw. Um, as much as old people slay Audley Harrison, one of that guy he can also punch, and he's also got that snapback where he will let you lead and he'll snap back and counter you and take you out. But he has that. Um, I don't even think Martin has that. So um, no, I do see. I only see one result then, and that's an Anthony Joshua victory, and, and to be how how wonderful would that be, to be for him to be a world champion in 16th professional fight. You know, so, yeah, and he's, uh, he's representing and at the end of the day, look how many world champions Britain is boasting at this moment. I don't ever remember it being like
1: this. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, um, again, if we were to get, if, if Fiat Fain is to win tomorrow night and then next week Joshua wins, that's, that's more. exactly. You know, yeah, we're, we've got more world champions.
3: Britain, Britain right now, I don't care what anyone says to me, it, this is where it's at. Yeah, this is where it's at. When was the last time you heard an American coming up and bringing his belt to Britain to defend it? First defence. It doesn't happen, does it?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah this, is where, yeah, this
3: is where it's at. This is where it's at at the moment.
1: It is more, more uh, world champions than any other nation. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. The last two questions I've got for you now, Don. I just want to ask your opinion on uh, Chisora going over to fight Pulev, which is... A little bit of a strange one, to be totally honest, but again, Chisora does the unexpected. How do you see that fight going? Well, you know, it's a great opportunity
3: for for my guy to, um, to bring himself back to contention, to be able to contest. Because the way the world titles are at the moment, those belts are going to be swapping hands on a regular basis. So you have to put yourself in a position to be able to grab one of those belts. You have to take a chance in this life. And um, the opportunity came along and uh, to fight for the European title, which propels you straight back up. Because once you've won the European title, you may have maybe one defense to get yourself in a mandatory position to fight for one of the belts with one of the governing bodies, so it's about placing yourself in the the right place. So the fight itself, yeah, a very awkward fight, because Pulev is a very awkward guy. Um, He's not blessed with skills. Um, He's a very strong man, very mentally, physically strong, but it's not that complicated to work him out. So Derek, I believe, will be victorious in that fight, and provided he uh, remembers the style that he we originally practiced. He has to practice it, go through his drills and um, stay hungry, desire and uh go and do what's necessary. And yeah, I, I think Derek beats him all day long. I really do because, you know, you you he has to do and I believe he will remember. I've spoken to him, I've reminded him what he has to do, although we don't, I'm not working with him. Uh, the reason you're calling me and, and giving me an interview, um, again, the name, uh, my name is Don Charles, but I'm only known because uh, I worked with someone like uh, Derek Chazora, who um, brought me the recognition for our achievements we were achieved together so um he still calls me for advice i know the, the advice are always there
1: yeah of course of course now I've, I've thrown quite a few tricky questions at you you seem to answer them cool as a cucumber really i've left this question till last uh, i don't mm-hmm. mean to put you on the spot or whatever but taking yourself out of the equation who do you think mm. is the best trainer right now in britain okay after me yeah after yourself.
3: <laughs> um, one thing about me, when you ask me a question, I will dissect it. I will um give you the truth. If I'm a f i am aii love football, okay, and I support Tottenham Hotspur, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I um, think you
1: I think you're just trying to buy a few seconds here, Don.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just trying to I don't want one thing again, I hate being misunderstood. That's why I go along with my son, I have a son. My son always has a guard at me. Because, Dad, why don't you just say yes or no? But some, some questions you can't give a yes or a no, because I have to explain it. Otherwise, you're going to misunderstand me, and I hate being misunderstood. So, therefore, I will I will break it into piece, little segments,
1: and I'll put it together and give it back to you. So,
3: how how do you judge a football manager?
1: How do you judge a football manager? Um, In today's yes. sport, um, yes. well, really, it would have to be on success. Thank you. That's, that's all I wanted to hear, right?
3: So, based on success, based on achievement, at this present time, you have to give it to Joe Gallagher. Based on, based on uh, what the guy has achieved in the last four or five years, you have to give it to him.
1: Yeah, no, like I say, no one can argue with that. He, he has got a lot of success at the moment. And of course, he's got Crawler you, you don't, and you the don't rest get, of the guys.
3: You, you don't get, you know, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm here for the long run. And by the grace of God, God gives me strength and health, stay healthy. I intend the next 10 years, because I've already put 10 years into it, and I fell very short with, with Chisora. I came very near, but we fell short. In the next 10 years, I will produce champions after champions in different weight categories. Yeah? So, unfortunately, I've put 10 years in and I haven't produced a world champion. I've produced three British champions in three different weight, weight categories, prize fighter champions, southern area champions, European champion. So. I have not produced a world champion. So, therefore, that's my quest is to produce world champions in different weight categories, and I will do that in the next 10 years. So, right now, yes, someone like Joe Callagher is right up there. He will, He's the number one coach in this country based on achievements, yeah, Um what he's produced and achieved. But you, you, if you differ, if the, your listening uh, audience uh, disagrees, well, let's have a debate debate about it. Tell me... Who, who they will it's not just about one person, producing one person. Then they, You can't become uh, the best coach in the country overnight because you've proclaimed one champ, world champion. No, it has to be all the other fighters you train. What have they won? British title? Every title counts, from Southern area title to British, to Commonwealth, to European, to then to World. You have to take all those in account. Because a football manager... Have you won the FA Cup? Have you won the Carlin Cup? Have you won the European? Uh, it's all the cups. All the cups matter. So when you're judging uh, the train out, uh, on their, uh, who's the, you have to take into account what they've achieved over, over, the, over the years.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Excellent stuff. Okay, listen, Don, um, thank you very much for giving us a bit of time. Thank you very much for giving us your insightful views. Uh, You're a true gentleman, and I wish you the absolute best with the success with Bulioni and the other guys coming through. Don, thank you very much. Thank Thank you, bro. It's my pleasure. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Of course, on part one we do the review part. On part two we do the preview part. Now it's time to do the preview part. We're going to start on the Friday. We're going to start over in Washington, D.C. Top of the bill, Adrian Broner. He defends his WBA World Lightweight title against Ashley fearfame. We had him on the show a couple of weeks back. Adrian Broner, of course, 31 and 2. Ashley Theofane 39 and 6 with one draw. This Will be an interesting fight while it lasts. I this is going to
0: be such a good fight, and I reckon, in my opinion, Broner's going to beat him on points.
1: Oh, it's a tough one to call. It's a tough one to call. Remember that, of course, Mayweather and Broner were really, really good friends. I'm not sure what the relationship's like now, but this is the first time that. Uh, Mayweather's actually siding with someone against Broner, so of course this is this is a first. Mayweather believes, like I say, I'm I'm, I'm quoting Ashley Fierfain here. Mayweather believes that Ashley Fierfain can beat Broner. That's the reason why he made the fight. So it's going to be an interesting contest. I really cannot wait for that one. It's I really cannot wait for that one. It's, it's definitely a must see. Also on the undercard, Robert Easter Jr. He's 16 and 0 at the moment. He faces Aljunis Mendez, who has a record of 20. 3-3 free free with one draw. Also on that bill, Javonta Davis. Now, we know that he's got a close-knit relationship with Mayweather. He's at the moment, is 14 and 0. He faces Guillermo Avila, who has a record of 16 and 5. Javonta Davis, remember that name, I'm telling you. He's in the Super Featherweight division, and he really is going to burst on the scene soon enough. Anthony Peterson, also on the bill. That's the brother of Lamont Peterson. He has a record of 36 and 1. He faces Samuel Kote Nkwe, who has a record of 22 and 1. That should be a decent little scrap. Also on the bill, Jay Leon Love. A lot of people know about him. He's also a Mayweather fighter as well. He has a record of 21 and 1. He faces Michael Gumbenga. I'm not sure if I've pronounced that right, who has a record of 21 and 24. So Jay Leon Love really should get the win there. That's really it for the Friday. We're now going to move over to the Saturday. We're going to start with a card taking place in Finland. Just one fight I want to mention over there. This is for the vacant WBC silver heavyweight title. Robert Hellanius, 22-0. He faces Johan Duapas. Of course, we've seen him in there with Deontay Wilder recently. Duapas has a record of 33-3, and free, so that would be an interesting little clash. Now we're going to move over to Poland, a guy who we had on our show. Again, I think it was around Christmas time, something like that. A really nice guy and also a former opponent of Deontay Wilder. Eric Molina, he's travelling over to Poland in the hometown of Thomas Adamek. So we'll start with the way the fight's going to be called. Thomas Adamek, 50 wins and 4 losses. He fights Eric Molina, 24 wins and 3 losses. This is for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Heavyweight title. So this should be a good scrap because Eric Molina, really, really nice guy and a really good fight, really, really underrated. Not a lot of the time he gets much notice for fights but when he does turn up I mean he told us before I have hurt everybody I've been in a ring with professionally and in sparring again I know a lot of fighters talk but Eric Molina did have Deontay Wilder in a bit of trouble during that fight just look at the tape if you don't believe me or if you slip your memory I'm telling you Eric Molina is no joke we wish him the absolute best of luck and in my opinion I I really I'd like it I'd like to see him win it's going to be a tough fight we know that Thomas Adamek is past his best eyes could this be the the right time for Eric Molina to get a seriously notable win on his record
0: It will be in my opinion I reckon he'll I reckon be good if he wins this fight
1: yeah, definitely. It will definitely set up some big clashes in that division. Also on the undercard, Andre Warwick. He has a record of 31 and 1. That's in the heavyweight division. He faces Marcin Rokowski, who has a record of 17 and 2. That really is another fight to look out for. Okay, that's it for Poland. Now we're going to bring ourselves over to Liverpool at the Echo Arena. Where else? Top of the bill, Hadila Mohamedy, who has a record of 20 wins and 3 losses with 1 draw. He faces Callum Smith, 18-0. and 0. If you don't know Callum Smith, you must have been hiding under a rock. He faces Mohamedy. Mohamedy is the EBU European Super Middleweight Champion. So this is for his belt. So if Callum Smith wins this, this will set up some serious fights down the line for Callum Smith. I cannot wait for this one, by the way. Callum Smith, um, I, I know you don't know too much about Mohamedy, but do you think he's going to win this fight comfortably? We saw his last fight where he stopped Rocky Fielding. I reckon in this fight, he's going to stop Mahmoudi. Yeah, you got a good point. You know, I wouldn't want to bet against Callum Smith getting the knockout. He seems to get a lot of knockouts. The better the opposition, the better he performs, I almost feel as well. Also on that bill, as you just mentioned, Rocky Fielding, he comes back to the ring. He faces Christopher Rebrass. Again, Christopher Rebrass, we've seen him in there with George Groves and, and a couple of others. Rocky Fielding, this again is for the vacant WBC International Super Middleweight title. Rocky Fielding, 21 and one Christopher Rebras 24 and 4 with three draws. This would be a tough test for Rocky Fielding. Um, how do you see this fight, Guy and I, Because I know that Rocky Fielding can bang, but is he's got a good chin on him as well. This is where I'm going to go for it. It's a 50-50 fight. Mm, I'm not too sure I'd say it's a 50-50. I definitely think that Rocky Fielding has got the edge and I really hope I'm right because if Rocky Fielding loses to Christopher Obrass then he really has to drop down a level. Um, also on that undercard, of course, Scott Cardle, the rematch between Scott Cardle and Sean Masher Dodd. This is for the British lightweight title. Of course, they fought last year. It was a good fight and this is the rematch. Scott Cardle 19-0, Sean Dodd 10-2. and also on that bill, Tom Doran. He looks to move to 17-0. and 0. He has a tasty record of 16-0 at the moment. This is for the vacant WBC international middleweight title. He faces Luke Keeler, who has a record of 10-1. He's a 10-rounder at middleweight, of course. Also on the bill, Paul Smith, he gets back in the ring, 35 wins, 6 losses. He faces Daniel Reggie. I think this is just like a keep busy fight. It's only a six rounder just because Paul Smith really wants to get back into title contentions. Daniel Reggie has a record of 28 wins and 13 losses. Like I say, it's only a six rounder. It's a light heavyweight, this one as well. Moving down that bill again, Reese Belletti, prospect trained by Jimmy Mack and Jimmy Mack Jr. Reese Belletti, 5-0 at the moment. He faces Julio Betrago. Julio Betrago has a record of 13 wins and 18 losses. And that's really it for the preview side of things. Again, we just absolutely whizzed through the review, whizzed through the news, and whizzed through the preview. We didn't do too much talking on this week's show. We're now going to bring on our second guest, Okay, now it's time for guest number two on this week's show. Fresh off his win on Saturday, it's Ricky Boylan. Ricky, welcome to the show. Hi, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. First and foremost, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Uh, just just uh, happy to be back to winning ways. How did it feel in there on Saturday night? Obviously, it's your first fight of
2: 2016. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd, I'd obviously been out of the ring well, I think it was seven months prior to that. My last fight was in September. So it was just all about shaking the rust off, you know. And, um, you know, i had I'd, I'd been working on a few things in the gym, um, you know, just trying to move my feet and use my jab a little bit more. And to be honest, i had done that down to a T. So I was, I was really happy with my
1: performance. Um, will you actually be staying at 140? Because I know you came in a bit heavier than that. Obviously, there was no title on the line or anything. But will you be staying at 140 or moving up at all, Rick?
2: Yeah, no, I'm going to stay at 140. Um, Obviously, I'd only had three weeks' notice for that, so it weren't worth me. Uh, To be fair, I probably could have got a little bit lower, but he was coming in at around that anyway, so they said just come in at 10 stone 10, I think it was. But uh, my next fight, I'm having it well away, which is obviously 10 and 7, and I will will make uh, 140 again, but, um, you know, just just when it matters, really. Championship championship fights and that.
1: Now of course all you know the the free losses you've got on the record they're all they're all close decisions in most cases um you had a pretty bad uh twelve month period from October two thousand and fourteen to October two thousand and fifteen any of those is there any are you chasing any of those for rematches at all um to be honest
2: i I'd like them all i'd like to, to you know try and put them all right um at the moment, as I said, I'm just just working on things in the gym, and one step at a time, I'll get myself back there. I'm not in no rush i'm still you know I'm still only twenty seven years old, so you know i'm not I'm not in a real rush um but yeah one one fight at a time, and you know I'm sure I'll get myself back up there.
1: Obviously, the the three L's are from uh, Tyler Goodjohn, Tommy Martin, and Danny Connor. Who do you think's the best out of those that little trio there? Who's the who's the best the best fighter out of those three?
2: Uh, I'd say Tommy Martin. To be fair, um, he's got a good jab, he's got fast hands, and he's, he's pretty good on his feet. You know, um, Tyler Goodjohn won. You know, uh, that was that, that was a it was a close fight, and it was a good fight, and the same as the, the Danny Connor defeat, but. You know, they're, they're all they're all fights that I believe I can win, um, and and hopefully I'll, I'll get the chance to put put things right.
1: Of course. Now, your next fight, I believe, has already been announced. Is it? Um,
2: it's uh, May the seventh at your call. So May only, the seventh Five weeks away.
1: Yeah, and that's um, that's that's at one forty seven. You said. Is yeah, one forty seven. Any idea of who you're going to be fighting yet? Yeah, I know we're we're a few weeks out, but any idea at all?
2: I'm I'm not too sure yet. They only announced it yesterday. Uh, they only asked me if I want to get on the show yesterday. So you know, I've, I'd obviously just boxed, and I'd said to a few promoters that if any opportunity comes for me to get on their shows, then. Just please let me know, and you know this coming up. So obviously, our only box at the weekend just gone. So I just want to stay as busy as I can now. Really, that'll be two fights in two months, basically. So that will be good.
1: Yeah, I did actually want to touch on that. Who? What's the score with with yourself promotionally at the moment?
2: Um, obviously, I was, I was with Matchroom, and uh, but my con- my contract ran out about I don't know. I think six months ago, something like that. With them, but I'd still been boxing. No, it was, it was longer than that. It was about a year ago, actually, in contract like that. But I'd still been boxing on their shows. So yeah, you know, obviously the opportunity came back up to to sign with them again or whatever, and I'd jump at it. But um, at the moment, as I said, just just one step at a time and uh, work my work myself, work my way back up there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not not promoted by no one at the minute, but just gonna box on whatever show i can get
1: on and then go from there yeah i mean that that may be that may be the best thing to do to be honest at the moment um how important is it this is a bit of a silly question really but how important is it for two thousand and sixteen uh for you to get back to winning ways of course and put that 12 month dark period behind you you know finally yeah oh,
2: it's, it's massively important you know um there was there was a couple of times in Tommy Martin, all, all them three three defeats. I truly believed that I was I was going to beat them all. And uh, you know, as I said, I was going. I had a little bit of a bad bad run, and you know, I think it showed in the ring. But um, hopefully, uh, I can start to show people that I you know I can box. I've got a good boxing brain when I use it, and you know, I'm not just a one-dimensional fighter, come-forward fighter. So yeah, it's, it's very important these next next 12 months and you know, I believe I'll get myself back up there.
1: Now I know that of course you're training, um, you, you, Cameron has got you doing quite a few drills now. Uh, how has that changed? How has that changed the way you were training before? How has that, what's that done for you? Uh, fitness wise,
2: uh, Cam- Cameron's brilliant to be fair, but you know, I, I always, no matter what fight from, from the very start, or well, even my amateur career, I've always had myself in top condition, you know, and, um, you know, Cameron, Cameron's just, just uh, pushing me that little bit further. But I was training with Cameron even when I was in Manchester, but I would come back the odd weekend here and there and, and then do my sessions with him. But obviously now I'm back down here, I've, I've been doing two sessions a week with him. So, yeah, he, he gets me in good condition and, you know, gets me nice and strong at the weight. So it's good.
1: Now, I know that you're not you're not one to sort of start calling people out, but is there anyone on the domestic scene at the moment you've got your eye on I know that you want to chase those three rematches but is there anyone apart from those those fights there that you've got your eye on at fighting in the future?
2: Um, as I said Joe, just taking one step at a time you know obviously I, I've had them three defeats and you know it's, it's knocked me down the ladder a bit so um, it's just, just a case of working on a few things in the gym and trying to put, put you know a few few mistakes that I've been making trying to put them right and and then uh yeah, as I say, one step at a time. But you know, I'd I'd like love, love to get my summon area title back and then maybe go for the English and and go from there. So whoever's got it at the time then yeah, i you know, obviously it's, it's it's the belts more than anything, it's not no one in particular. But yeah, them them three defeats I'd obviously like to cycle them and put put them right, but yeah, just one step at a time.
1: Yeah, I really hope you get that. Because like I say, those those defeats were, were, were close, all of them, to be totally honest. So it's not like yeah. you, you know your career's not not, not, not written off anytime soon. Um, who is the best, in your opinion, at 140 domestically? I know that we've got the likes of Jack Catterall coming through. A lot of people would probably say him. Um, do you think he's the best at 140, taking yourself out of the equation?
2: Um, in, in all honesty, I've not seen lots of Jack. You know, I've, I've seen bits of him and i see him box some Argentinian guy and, and, to be honest, I wasn't overly impressed and that's no disrespect to Jack. You know, as I said, I wasn't overly impressed, but the Argentinian, he looked very awkward, to be fair. So, 140, uh, you know, obviously you got Lenny Dawes, he's, you know, he's he's a great fighter, he's he's experienced and that. Um, it's John Wayne never who's doing well. Um do you know what? I, I, I couldn't even put, put it on one person who, who I'd say the best is in Britain. Um, Tyrone Nurse is another one who's really skillful. You know, if, if Tyrone could punch, he'd, he'd go all the way, I believe. But um, he's, he's the most skillful, I, I think, out of, out of the 140 division at the moment.
1: One name that you didn't mention there—he's um, actually in a massive, you know, in a world title fight tomorrow night. We we sometimes Ashley forget he's British, of course. Yeah, Ashley Theophane. Yeah. Um, how do you see that fight going down between Adrian Broner and Ashley Theophane? Do you give him any sort of a chance, Ricky? I
2: I pray to God to God he wins. You know, uh, he, he's not he's not done anything. He, he's had it the hard way the whole way along, you know. And uh, I was I was sparring with him about probably about eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago, and had a good spar with him. Um, I hope, hope, as I say, I hope he does it, but it's it's a big ask, you know. Um, Hopefully, he's he's very fit, actually, all the time. He's, you know, he's he's strong, so I just, you know, hopefully you can catch Broner and get him out of there, but it's a big ask.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. All right, uh, the last question I'm going to ask you now, just your prediction on another upcoming fight. Um, It's kind of that, welterweight, it's kind of that, his own division, really, uh, Canelo and Khan. What's your views on that, Rick? To be honest, I, I've, I've, I've always, you know,
2: when it was announced, is an amazing fighter, but I think if Khan boxes the right fight and uses his hands and feet, I, I truly believe that he can beat Canelo. Um, I know he's the underdog, but he, he has got very, very fast hands and fast feet, and if he doesn't, you know, get involved when he doesn't need to, then, as I say, I think he can beat him.
1: God willing, God willing. All right, Rick. Just before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, shout out any anyone you want to shout out or say a thank you to any sponsors or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I just a big thank you to my main sponsors: Broad World Cups, um, GVC Vans, Muscle Food, Usama, and Nuffield Health. <laughs>
1: Excellent stuff. All right, Rick. Listen, thanks for giving us a bit of time so close after your fight. We wish you the absolute best. I wish you uh, all the luck and hope that hope that you get those rematches and and you know and show them what what Ricky Boylan is all about. No problem. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 26 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. Thank you very much to our two guests that joined us on this week's show, Don Charles and Ricky Boylan. Again, a massive thank you and the biggest thank you to the listeners that have listened this far. Thank you for giving us your ears yet again this week. We'll be back next week with another big show. Please keep retweeting, favoriting, liking, subscribing and all the rest. And we'll be back next week with another buster of a show.